Welcome, everyone, to this week's Niche to Profit. Thank you. I have a guest who came all the way over from Australia just to be on my show. Okay, not really yet. But he is known as Mr. eBay over there and uh, was a former eBay employee. So we are going to have some fun talking about eBay stuff uh, today, as well as some really cool hot sales of the week and some why won't they buy items. Let's figure out. Uh, And I just want to give you guys a reminder. We did this whole shindig about shipping last week. If you missed that, head on over to all those different places where we replay the show. Go check it out and send me some comments. Let me know if you want to see more of that stuff, what you would like to see differently, what I didn't show that, you know, I know you still have questions. We couldn't fit it all in an hour show. So send me those comments at niche2profit at vegasvideonetwork.com. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, Tim Davies from Australia. And uh, let's jump right in and give them a, a little tidbit of background about uh, how you got to be known as Mr. eBay. Thanks, Danny. It's uh, fantastic to be here in America. It's my first visit in 20 years. I can't believe I'm giving away my age now. Um, It's fantastic to be here. Um, How did I become known as Mr. eBay? My gosh. Um, I don't really know, to be honest. (laughs) That's the simple answer. Um, It was a a, a phrase that some people even from within eBay used to uh, call me because I seemed to always have an answer for everything that they asked me. I'm sure that that was more luck than anything else. Um, When I first started working for eBay, because I worked with them for about five years, when I first started working for them, I was a seller on eBay myself. I was selling photographic lighting equipment, so studio flashes, backdrops, stands and and the like. Um, I thought I was doing okay. Um, I was probably selling about $40,000 worth of products each year, a little part-time business at home. It was great. Then I started working for eBay, and within the first two to three weeks of working for the company, I started to tune into what eBay was actually trying to do. And when I did, I realized that there was a lot of information that I didn't understand, a lot of things I didn't understand about eBay, a lot of things that eBay hadn't told me as a seller. And so I started to change the way I was doing my business on eBay. And as a result, the next year, my business tripled. Nice. Without changing my products, without changing my time or anything. And it demonstrated to me very powerfully, very quickly, the power of the marketplace, but the power of knowledge and knowing what was actually going to work. It made a big difference. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, and I talk a lot about this on the show, is it's really not about the items as much as it is about the marketing and how you talk to those customers. And, and you know, I've just... I just met you and we've like talked a lot in this last couple of days about, uh, I just want to jump into like it's the customer service thing that we were sure. talking about is huge. And yep. um, share a little bit about like what you did for your customers. What do you think it was that really converted your sales from and made that, you know, triple the sales difference? Um, well, before a customer buys, they don't know me or they don't know the seller. So you couldn't really say it was anything that I did in terms of customer service at that stage. Customer service was really the vindication of everything that I had set up in the listing, in the the way that I described my products. So I had to tell these people who were going to buy from me who I was, uh, why they could trust me, where else they could find me. Um, So I was very transparent about who I was. I put up my company name, uh, my my tax registration number. Um, I put up all information about me so that they could read that. But they could also go and Google me and find things out and see that I I was real. But more than that, I also managed buyer expectations right from the very beginning by not only describing things accurately, which I think every seller should do anyway, I'm sure that they, well, hopefully they do, um, but more about what the experience would be like if something went wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll I'll give you a little story. Um, I once sold a lighting set to a customer, it cost about $1,000, and the customer wrote to me and said, look, I, uh, I paid more to buy from you. There were others that were cheaper, but I chose to buy from you because your ratings on eBay seemed to be very good, and I thought that I would probably get a better service. And I said, oh, thank you for buying from me. He said, I've got a problem, though. Both of the lights that you've sent me don't work. Uh, now, fortunately, he didn't blast me to hell. Um, he was polite. He was professional about it, and he gave me a chance because mm-hmm. I had good ratings for a start. And I was mortified. I said, look, I, I, you'll understand I don't make the lights. I get them from the manufacturer. I don't open them all out and check them. Occasionally, I've had a light that didn't work. Uh, I've never had two that don't work. Obviously, you're a photographer. You need your product straight away. I'm going to send out some new lights to you straight away. I took a leap of faith 
that he wasn't telling me a lie and sent out those two lights. I said, when you get those, make sure they're working. In fact, I actually took them out of the box and tested them before. I said, I'm going to check them first. When you've got those ones and they're working, then let me know and I'll get my courier to come in and pick up the other ones from you. Hmm. About a week after, he then wrote back to me and he said, now I know why you've got the good ratings. And that, that uh, for me, my, my heart was beating the whole way through it, thinking, oh, I'm going to lose the money. I'm going to have to go and give it back. Yeah. And it proved to me straight away then if I was honest with him um, and, and spoke to him like a human being and not being defensive about, oh, my products are the best or whatever. You mean you didn't just think he was just trying to rip you off for a couple of bulbs? No. Uh, look, I, 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 did have to, I did have to take a bit of a leap of faith because it was $1,000 and I figured, you know, he might have just been trying to get some extra lights. But mm-hmm. I, I could sort of read in the way that he was writing to me. He was, yeah. he was being honest as well. Um, I have had buyers that have tried to do that. I think everyone has. Has he come back and bought any more? Well, uh, him specifically, I don't think so. But I've had others where a person would just buy one product from me and then take it along to their camera club and then suddenly come back and buy 40 or 50. Yeah. So you you never know. You never know who the customer is going to be. Absolutely. That's a great story. Yeah. I mean, you've got to give the customers the benefit of the doubt and just... Mm treat it like a business. I know we talked a lot about that. It's yep. it's not personal. They don't know you, no. so they're not just like accusing you of wrongdoing. It's No. Yeah. Well, nobody sets out to actually try and undermine a seller. I mean, you don't pay yeah. money to go and mess up a, to mess up another person. That's just crazy. Yeah. So, uh, the way that I look at it with a buyer, uh, they always start in a good place. They start from a position of trust because you don't hand over money to someone you don't trust. Right. I'll give you an analogy. You're walking down the main street of Las Vegas. You pull out $100 and you hand it to a total stranger and say, go buy me a coffee and bring me back the change. Good luck. <laughs> okay. You now, are in Vegas. <laughs> that's my point. When you're online, you can't see the person. It's yeah. even worse. Yeah. And that's the problem. The buyer can't see you as a seller and you're asking them to give you money yeah. without any guarantees that you're going to get anything. Right. And, and, you know, everyone's heard the horror stories about what they bought on eBay or what they bought somewhere else. Doesn't you know that sort of trust is so critical, and that's what a lot of sellers, I think, and a lot of the work that I did working for eBay was to try and educate sellers with that mindset to say, well, hang on, the buyer's scared stiff. Yeah. They're handing over money that they've paid, you know, they've worked hard for. They something goes wrong along the process, and the little voice inside the head says, "I told you so. You shouldn't have bought it on you eBay. Shouldn't have bought it. Shouldn't yeah. have bought it from that seller." Yep. And straight away they're on the defense, or in fact they're on the attack, and and that's yeah. where these bad buyers come from. Yeah, and and it's it. I'm glad you said that because there's been many you, you know, you get that message and it's like accusatory and yeah. the, you know they're like and if you just take a breath yep. and come back with the most sincere professional customer service absolutely most sellers don't do that mm. so they're kind of thrown off and they're like oh you know and and things get resolved and I've turned some major follow-up sales from that, just Absolutely. treating them that way. So Absolutely. A yeah. customer that can be turned around and won back becomes an ambassador for your business. Absolutely, um, yes. It's much easier to then market to those people that have had a good experience with you or maybe something went wrong but you turned them around. They're more likely to listen to you again in the future. Right. So they become ambassadors for your business and they go and tell their friends. You got a, lot, a lot of people think in e-commerce that the people at the other end of the transaction are just numbers and transactions. They forget that they're real people. And they've got pressures in their life and they got out of bed the wrong side and they got kids to worry about and mortgages and all of the other stresses that we have. Um, we don't know what circumstances they're going through. And I think you're right. We have to give the buyer the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because it's easy to type something off and release a little, you know, <laughs> frustration. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, I am probably guilty of that. I think <laughs> we've, we've all done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because typing's easy. It is. Gosh, just read Facebook. <laughs> Just saying. That's um, true. So awesome. So what your position at eBay was for um, seller education and engagement. Can That's right. Tell us a little bit more about what that entailed. Yeah. So the, the first two years, I worked for eBay for about five years. The first two years uh, or two and a half years, I was working uh, basically in seller development. So my job was to work with individual sellers, mostly the larger sellers, to help them to grow their business on eBay and from eBay's point of view to make sure that there was good supply of products that buyers were looking for mm-hmm. and eBay was trying to fill that gap. Um, and then I moved into seller education for about the past the last two and a half years. Um, my role there was really to look at, at getting information about best practices on eBay, what buyers liked, what buyers responded to, um, and in the most efficient way possible, using all the available tools that eBay had av- uh, available to sellers to use and to get that information out to as many sellers as possible. Um, in Australia, we did that in a number of ways. 
We did it through launching a seller centre, which the US and the UK beat us to, but we uh, did that in Australia as well. And and I'm still quite proud of the seller centre. I think it's a great resource for sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more easy to read than going into the you know the the policy pages, which are really quite dry. That that's just says what they have to say, but the seller centre is written in everyday right. language, so it's really practical. I always encourage people to go and look there because I'll probably find the answer. Is, is, and is it eBay Australia, you have totally different copy than we have here? Or we do. Is it, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, my job initially was, well, I, I was told to go and copy what the US and the UK had done and just Australianize it. And I started to do that and then realized that actually our cultures were quite different, even though mm-hmm. we're all white, you know, we're all basically the same mm-hmm. people, but the, the, the culture But we talk funny, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You might say we do. <laughs> Um, and, and so I started from scratch. I sat down over Christmas um, holidays for about two, three weeks and just wrote up about 90 pages of content. Now, wow. not all of that ended up in the seller centre, but it became the basis of some of what we did. Um, but my view has always been very practical about business. I've come from running my own businesses. Um, so I'm not just looking to, you know, toe the party line, as it were, and, and to say, well, eBay says free shipping, therefore you have to do free shipping. Let's look at the rationality behind it. Let's explain the reasons why and let the the sellers make their own choice. I've always been very practical about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that some of that has come through in the, the seller centre as well, which I'm proud of because it's a decision sellers have to make for themselves. Absolutely, yeah. The, the second area that we looked at was seller education um, or, or sh- should I say training courses. Um, this has been something that eBay in the US has also experimented with and as it turns out has had much the same experience as what we had in Australia. And that is that face-to-face, whilst it always works very, very well, um, it's very hard to get people to actually commit to coming face-to-face and get people to actually commit mm-hmm. to getting in their cars, driving, parking, and sitting down for half a day. Yes. Uh, and so in the end, we ended up closing that program down at the end of last year after running it for about a year and a half. Um, I could certainly rattle off a lot of sellers that did the program that benefit enormously. So it does work, but getting people to actually do it was the challenge. And eBay wasn't getting enough people to come in and do the courses. So unfortunately, they right. let that go. Um I then left eBay uh, earlier this year, and so I've now started to perhaps fill a little bit of the void that was left behind from those courses being finished uh, by working directly with sellers to actually help to grow their business in Australia, particularly at this stage. That is awesome. That is awesome. You know, this actually, it would be a really good time to uh, take a quick break. We have a commercial, and then we'll come back and talk about your business. Millions of online sellers are looking for one identity to use in thousands of platforms. E-Rated manages your reputation by importing unlimited social media, marketplace, and behavioral data. It reveals your cross-platform performance, compares it with competitors, and calculates your e-worth. And it gives you the tools you need to improve sales and find room to grow. Discover your e-worth and your own reputation ShareYourReputation.com. Have you heard of them? E-rated? I haven't, no. Awesome company. Awesome company. <laughs> and and Google just got this patent that's going to do the algorithm based more on reputation and all that. So I think it's going to be a really vital piece. So everybody go get your E-rated account at ShareYourReputation.com. Uh, so you have, uh, the company is Zealous? Yes. So how'd you come up with the name? I always have to ask. <laughs> uh, it's called the Kodak Principle. It's a principle that I... Um, sort of learned many years ago and that was if you want to tell people what you do you create a word and then you tell them what it means that's what they did with Kodak of course if you say Kodak everyone knows it means photos Mm -hmm. Um, so the word zealous as it sounds is of course energetic passion emotional um, which I I like like the colors too. (laughs) thank you Uh, which I like to think of myself uh, in the way that I am with business I am very passionate always have been very passionate about supporting small business um, even from before I joined uh, started working for eBay Uh, and so leaving eBay it was a natural thought for me to continue in that same area but now with the additional information that I have and skills that I have in the eBay marketplace to then be able to apply that to sellers uh, on an individual basis and work with them uh, on all aspects of their business, not just on listing on eBay, for example, and selling, but looking at efficiency in their business, looking at profitability, looking at managing risk. These are areas that a lot of sellers on eBay don't manage well, mm-hmm. and it's not their fault. In all fairness, I, I often refer to a lot of sellers on eBay as accidental retailers. They yeah. 
they are retailers. They just don't realise it. Right. And they're constantly perhaps complaining that the big retailers have all these wonderful advantages. Well, yeah, they do. They have millions of dollars of budget to spend on psychology and marketing and all sorts of things. So it's a re- it's a real challenging area for uh, you know the small mum and dad businesses to actually rise to that challenge and to compete. But I believe they can, and I've demonstrated that many times over with a lot of the clients that I've worked with. Yeah, and that's exactly what I work with my clients here on doing is really thinking like a retail business. Yep. Stop being in that that online yard sale kind of uh, mentality there, uh, which leads to my next question. I mean, I'm I'm really big on, and this is what I love about eBay over Amazon and some of the other things is you can have a brand, you can have your your huge presence, and nobody knows you're a small retailer. You can look like a big retailer. Um, so how do um, Australian eBay sellers take to branding and niching? And is it, I think, more prevalent over there? Or um, I, It's hard for me to gauge because I don't know how many people do it in the US compared to Australia. Um, put it this way, eBay, about a year ago, launched their simplified store format. Mm-hmm. The reason they did that is because about 95, I think it was 90, about 90% or 95% of stores on eBay were not customised. And right. it's, a, I mean, they're like something from the 80s. It looked really, really bad. Yes. Um, they're still out there. They're still out there. <laughs> it's going to take time. But, um, you know, so the simplified store format was designed to make it easy for the seller to just quickly upload a picture and then at least they'd yeah. look good. Yeah. The reality is that what's happened is a lot of the sellers that really want to grow and really want to actually move their business ahead, they've had to actually think about who they are. Um, you're absolutely right in what you say that every seller, whether they are a big multinational retailer or uh, somebody sitting in a the kitchen at home has exactly the same tool or interface to play with. They've all got a million pixels. Right. And the only decision they have to make is what colour to make each one of those million pixels. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's breaking it down to the point of being yeah, ridiculous. I mean, yeah, but it's but true. But it, it's it really is a level playing field. Um, the difference with a larger retailer is that they are generally very, very slow to move, very hard to actually turn them around. They're not as nimble or right. agile. The smaller seller is much more agile and can change quickly and can adapt quickly, mm-hmm. more so than the big retailer. So I think there's a lot of advantages in being a small seller. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Plus, you can like learn from what they've done that you know worked or didn't totally. work. That's why I tell people, you know, whatever your niche is, go look at who the big retail competition is. Yes. How? What words have they used? Like they've already done this. You know thousands and thousands of dollars of market research to come up with those words. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly right. Um, there, there's a lot of advantages to being a small re- uh, smaller uh, seller. There's no question about that. Um, however, as the big retailers do, they also evolve and migrate their product line. Oh, sure. And I think a lot of smaller sellers don't. So yes. they, they, they've got their products. They're making, you know, $10,000 a month this year. And they just figure that's it. They'll be set for life and they'll just make $10,000 a month from here on till they're finished. And that's not the case. Mm-mm. And I've had a lot of sellers contact me even after I've left eBay to say, look, sales were doing really well. They're now dropping off. I don't know why. You know, maybe there's more competitors. And we've had to really go and look at the fundamentals of their business and sit back. You know, sometimes, sometimes when you're running a business or doing anything, really, you're so close to it that you can't actually see the – you can't see the – how other people might see it. Right. Um, i got a, a little saying, I think I told you before, you can't see something while you're in it. You need to get out of it, look back at it. Oh, come then... on, tell the frog story. <laughs> oh, go ahead, story. tell the frog story. All right, so th- this is my analogy. <laughs> uh, you can imagine a frog sitting in a saucepan of nice cool water and somebody comes into the room and lights the fire underneath it on the stove and it starts warming up. And initially the frog's very comfortable. And this, all, this is really, really nice. And then suddenly it gets a little bit hotter, a little bit hotter. And eventually it gets very hot and the frog sits there looking up at the rim of the saucepan to the round circle and all it can see is the light on the roof. And so that's the only thing it can see. Therefore, it's the only thing it can possibly blame for the discomfort that the frog's in. So it sits there cursing and moaning to the light and complaining until eventually it jumps out of the saucepan because it's actually boiling now. It lands on the bench, takes a look back and realises that there's actually flame under the saucepan and obviously the analogy means that you can see something different when you're actually out of it. Yeah, I love that. See, and they're going to all remember the frog story now. Good. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just you have to get. I I think that's true. I don't care what level you're at. That's true. You know. I, I always say, a 
uh, it's a seller's job to think like a buyer because the buyer will never think like the seller. And, and that's really the secret. Yeah. You know, we talk about branding. I mean, branding is nothing more than a buyer's perception of who you are. Exactly. But how can yeah. the buyer perceive you if they can't see it properly? So you've got to be able to think, what's the buyer going to respond to? Where, where's the buyer going to look on my fa- on my uh, said Facebook page, on my eBay page or any, any page, website, yeah. doesn't matter. Where's the buyer going to look? What are they going to be looking for? What will make a buyer feel happy? What will make them mm-hmm. feel safe? If I'm selling cars and my cars are all cheap, old, you know, secondhand cars, uh, would I put Mercedes-Benz logos everywhere? No, it's a mismatch. Right. It's a mismatch. And it's not about whether one's better than the other. It's just it doesn't fit. Therefore, the brand doesn't make sense and customers are confused and they leave and they don't buy. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. You got a million of them, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I um, do. So uh, you are speaking at the Think Global Retail event. That's where I. That's what he actually flew in for. It wasn't for my show. Okay, Let's that just happened that. to be on at the same time. Come on. <laughs> but we arranged it. We um, so can you tell us a little bit about? You're speaking tomorrow, right? Yes, yeah, so I'm not yeah. actually speaking. I'm at, on, on a panel. On a panel. Yeah, dealing with eBay store design. Uh, so this sort of goes to your question about how Australians or how Australian sellers deal with uh, branding on eBay. Um, my belief is that. Uh, having a good design is really important from a number of points of view. Firstly, it demonstrates to a buyer that you've actually invested in your yourself and your business. So it shows that you're serious. If you don't, it means, well, there's, there's nothing to go by. Secondly, it gives you the opportunity to actually tell the buyer who you are and actually tell the story. It allows you to engage with the buyer with the pictures that you use. It's very, very easy to actually put in a picture of a product and allow the customer or think that the customer is going to look at the product and think that's enough. But actually what you really want to do is to put in nice lifestyle photos that relate to the customer. So I'll give you an example with the little eBay store I had that I, where I was selling products. I was selling my lighting equipment. So the photos that I put in there were of people that were ordinary, everyday folk holding cameras because that was the buyer I was going after. Right. They related to it. They felt safe, secure. They were happy to buy from me. So I think that the, the – and then the other two aspects of store design that come into it, uh, and it's not just the store homepage, we're talking about the listing template here, um, is the ability to navigate. So when a customer lands on a listing, that they've got some portals that they can take to find other products that you have, keeps them engaged in your space because mm-hmm. if they don't have that, they're going to head straight back out to search and you've lost them. Right, and go look at somebody else's listing. And the final thing is cross-promotion. So they're looking at a lawnmower show them what other lawnmowers you've got mm-hmm. so they can see you've got a range to choose from. Um, make yeah. sure that cross-promotion is actually relevant to what the customer is looking for. All of those aspects come into the design, and so they're, they're the sort of things that we look for, and that's what we'll be talking about tomorrow. We had a question in the chat. They want to know if you have a book. I don't really have a book at this stage. I did write a book about two years ago on um, doing business on eBay, uh, and I've since thought that I need to dust it off and update it, so stay tuned. I think you should do an audio book. An audio book. Okay. Well, I'm just got to say, we Americans, we're kind of crazy over these Australian accents. I don't know. Right, chat? Right? Love them. Yes. You know, listen right. to you talk all day long. So, yeah, I know. You be sure to keep us updated when yes. you uh, refresh that, that book. Definitely will. It's It, it won't, probably won't need too much updating, but eBay, of course, like any uh, business in e-commerce, <laughs> has evolved and updated uh, over the past couple of years as well. So I need to make sure it's all up to date. Uh, do they make changes as quickly in Australia as they do here? Like, I mean, we get this big boatload of changes twice a year here. Yeah, uh, Australia is the same. Okay. Um, however, I would be out doing the training courses with sellers and I would uh, say, right now, look up on the right-hand side of the screen here and it's gone. <laughs> and yes. this, would, this would happen to me all the time. And I'd go back into the office <laughs> And I would say to the product team, why didn't you tell me this has gone? They're like, oh, it's just new this morning. I'm like, yeah. you know, thanks. Um, look, I don't mean to criticize eBay by saying this, but it's a corporate company where people too tend to stay very focused on their own jobs. And yeah. often the communications within the company yeah. weren't always there. It's like you're saying, big corporation, it takes a long time to make changes on the fly, it, it you does. know, kind of thing. And 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 I know I, I'm actually still an education specialist for eBay, and I think we have been waiting for two years for our new updated materials. Oh, gosh. Um, which we have now, right, thanks great. to Griff, who, who took on that project and did it. But it, it was painful to try to teach a class mm. with, you know, the old materials yeah, because materials. things don't even look the same anymore. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It, I know how that stuff. feels. <laughs> yeah. 
which is which is why I love being independent, not being an eBay employee mm. because I'm in real time. You know, I'm I'm using the site every day. Yeah. I, I see. Oh, yep. I see how this needs to work. You know, for people, and and you're probably now more in that position as well. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's 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 slightly liberating. Um, because I don't sort of have to toe the party line, if you might, if you if I can say it that way. But look, even when I was working with eBay, uh, I was always looking for the practical end result. So eBay introduces a new policy, and you're not allowed to do this, or you're not allowed to do that, uh, as they kind of do fairly frequently. And I would hear sellers complaining, so oh, it's not fair, and I don't like this. Well, to me, that's just a waste of air. The point is, you're in business to make a profit. Mm-hmm. You've been told that the rules have changed. Now make it work. Right. Find the workaround. Find the solution that works. If it means you've got to change a product or change a price or change the way you do it. And I was always about looking for the workaround that would actually achieve the sales at the end of the day. That was That's always been my objective and still is now. That's what it's all about. That's what we're doing this for. Got to get the sales. Absolutely. And if they're not coming, you got to look and see, okay, what do I need to, to go with here? That's right. Um, so I, if you don't mind sticking around for the show, since you're an eBay guy, we're going to... We're going to look at um, some of those, why won't they buy stuff? And it looks like, okay, let me see if I can read this chat question. That's a paragraph. That's not just a question. That's a paragraph. Oh, hold it. Hold on. Well, with the lawnmower example showing what other mowers you carry, how do you do that in eBay? Uh, very good question. Ah, okay. Um so there are a number of tools out there that will do cross-promotion. Uh, eBay does have a cross-promotion setting itself. Um, however, <coughs> however, that doesn't really sit in your item description. It sits down below the listing, and it also comes up after your checkout page. So that's kind of after the event. Um, but that's that's fairly limited. You can go into that. It's under your um, marketing tools, I believe it is. I'd have mm-hmm. to think about where it is, actually is in the, in the back end of my eBay. Um, and you can actually cross-promote if you're if the customer's looking at a product in a certain category you can nominate another category for them to look at and it might be the same category so there's two ways to look at cross-promotion when a customer is looking at a product they you want to show them the alternatives of the same type of product when they have bought a product you want to show them all the things that go with that product as in accessories so they're the two different ways that you'd look at cross-promotion I'm looking to see if I can find see it. See if you real can find quick. it. The, the the other way of doing it is also with some of the tools. I know that uh, Octiva, for example, has a, a little slider that that shows other products. I don't know how well that is uh, able to be programmed or customized, but I've certainly seen it. Um, also, any web developer, if you, you get a nice store design do, done, uh, can actually build that kind of cross promotion in with all those rules in their system as well. And I work with a number of developers in Australia that do that. Um, there's one um, who I know is operating here in the US as well called Power Seller Templates, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have the ability to do that. I, I'm not necessarily calling out them as the only ones, but they're one that I do know is operating in the US as well. Yeah, and it is in your – it's in um, marketing tools, and then there's a little cross-promotion tab there the to, to set that up. Yep. yep. It's a yep. set and forget. You, you basically set it up based on your store categories. So if you do change your store categories – just remember to go back in and update it. Yeah. We have a very active chat over there today. You guys, I'm ha- I've like been in air conditioning all day, so I'm like having to squint my eyes. So I'm not trying to miss your questions, but um, you guys know you can always go on the Facebook group, the Nanny app after the show, and we'll get those answered as well. Um, so when we come back, we will look at some items that are not selling and see if we can brainstorm and figure out why. Sounds good. Any online business that's trading, whether they're small, whether they're big, you know, it's very important to come to this. The opportunity to network and uh, you know, share ideas, I think that's, that's priceless. I certainly think that the show in, in Vegas is all about looking to the future and what opportunities exist because some things work well in one country and you can then take that information and put it into another country and put it into action know their brands, getting their products, and in a more fast and efficient way. If, it, if it's a hesitation of, will I get a return, then you should do it. I don't know how you wouldn't, to be honest. Join us with Think Global Retail at Vegas on August 20 and 21 with Alibaba.com.
And I actually got permission to uh, tell people that if you are in the Las Vegas area and you want to come on over to the conference, walk on in, they'll take care of you and, and get you set up. And, and there's a whole nother, there's, there's still this afternoon and then there's a whole nother day, plenty of good stuff going on. So come on over to the Flamingo. I guess it would help if I told them where it was, right? <laughs> so the Flamingo. All right. So this week we have some uh, pretty interesting items. Um, this comes in from Jess Paris. Jess is one of my new appsters. We're so happy to have her. Um, listed for 30 days, didn't get bids on auction. Wonder if my price is too high. She said, oh, I'm sorry. Is this the right... Yep. No, I'm reading the right question. I told you my eyes are all funky today. All right. So we've got these, dare I say, gorgeous JFK and Jackie Kennedy dolls. I know that was sarcasm. These are not very good looking dolls. It's just, it's not your fault. It's just the way they were made. I know she, Jackie has a little shrunken head. <laughs> that or she, yeah, that or she just uh, doesn't know her size. She's trying to be a big girl. Um, so I did a, a little homework. Now, I, your title is is very succinct and to the point of what these are, but I think there's a few things missing here that's leaving some confusion for the buyer. And you just jump right in if, if you see something I'm not seeing here. Sure. Um, when I went over and looked at sold listings on these dolls, I, and if these are the same one, I know these have a little bit different like outfits on, but I'm seeing that they're Franklin Mint. And I don't know if yours are Franklin Mint or not. Um, I couldn't find the exact ones, which is what's interesting. All the ones I found were Franklin Mint, though. Um, and Jess is in the chat, so maybe she can tell us if they are Franklin Mint. So we'll, we'll pop back over here and jump down. You've got lots of pictures. Um, in the future, I would probably try to get that white background completely covering your item back, it's a little distracting seeing the little top part there, whatever you want to call that. Um, so if we go down, there's two things that I, I think will get these sold. Um, add some item specifics. There's nothing here that tells me who the maker of these dolls is. If they are Franklin Mint, that's super important. You want that up in the title and in the item specifics. Um, and here's probably the biggie right here. Because if I just come down here, I have no idea what you're selling. Um, so this is the area, not so much that the search engine picks up, but that this is, if somebody's truly interested, this is where they're getting their reassurance. They want to come down here and read some of the details, know that it truly is what that that title said it was. And the pictures, you know, seem to show them it is. It's the reassurance part. So got to fill in that description. And I still write a little bit of a flowery description for my people too. I put the bullet points, I put the, you know, the the facts. Then I give them that little benefit of just why they have to have this, you know, in their collection. I'd also be saying the size because mm. I've got no idea if they're one or two centimeters high. Sorry, you're talking inches over here, don't you? Yeah, but we know what centimeters <laughs> are. A couple of inches or, uh, or a couple of meters. Um, they could be giants. Um I think also um, JFK is very specific. It should be John F. Kennedy as well. I'd have I, both. Yes, I'd add I all the so. keywords. Doll, dolls. Uh, maybe somebody's looking for a toy, so I'd add the word toy possibly. Okay. Um, figurine might be another. There's a lot of different words. Look, this is, goes yeah. back to what I was saying before about a seller needing to think like a buyer. If I was going to look for something like this as a buyer, what would I type into search? Right. And they're the keywords you want to use. Absolutely. And the other thing is, I think these are porcelain, but I would want to know that in your item know. specifics too. I'd want Definitely. to know what they're made of. Are they plastic? Are they porcelain? Are they resin? Um, all those little details that, you know, when we've got the item in our hand, it's like a no brainer. Like, oh yeah, it's obvious, but people are buying off of a picture. And it's like, so they count on these little details. So I wouldn't even mess with your price right now. Um, I would make those changes and then, and see, so you said you've had it listed. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to end it. Just um, redo it and um, let us let us know if that helps. And if you get watch your views. So after after you tweak it and change it, and your views go up on it, and it's still you're not getting you know an offer or 
or any action on it, then it's time to look at price. But I wouldn't mess with price yet. Another thing that I'd probably throw in as well as a bit of um, a suggestion here, eBay search, as in the best match algorithm, is pretty brutal on listings that don't sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very kind to, to listings that do so, which is why a lot of the retailers do well because they've got multiple quantity available on the one uh, product. Now, in, in this case, obviously, it's one item. Mm-hmm. You would find that if your product hasn't sold after about two weeks, I'd be thinking of ending the listing and starting it again, even See, if you've got to pay for it. See, he's he's much busier than me. I say six months. No, no. eBay eBay algorithm only looks back about a couple of weeks. Right. I get that. Yeah. So what I tell them, and this is where the niche comes in, you list more dolls, you list more Franklin Mint stuff, get more traffic. they're going to come find it. Get more traffic. Yeah. That's yeah. right. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I think the big thing here is just the confusion. Yeah. Confused mind doesn't buy. They don't. They'll pass you by and go be a little bit more reassured somewhere. Who's next? Let's see. Oh, I went in the opposite order. Okay. This is from Robin Bain Jordan. And I don't know if she's in our chat today. Hi, Robin. Uh, And she says, every time I list this one, it gets high views and sometimes a few watchers. I've tried auctions and bin, and yet here it sits. Um, so the thing, the first thing I'm going to tell you is if this didn't sell in like the first week, ditch it. This is not worth your time because it's a $5.38 item with free shipping. Your shipping's going to be about three bucks. Your final value fee is going to be, well, like, 50 cents, 60 cents. So you are worth more than like $2 an hour. Um, Yeah. So I saw some of these selling in like a six to $7 range, but they had the sleeve. Um, They were in really good condition. This is acceptable condition. So honestly, Robin, I would let Barney go. I would let Barney go. There's a, yeah, there's, there is a million Barney jokes going through my brain right now, but I'll be nice. I'll be nice. But would you agree that's just kind of... Yeah. I, I Look, it's different if you're selling something, just cleaning out the garage or mm-hmm. cleaning out the home. Uh, sometimes you want to move things onto a better home. I understand that. From a business point of view, um, I made a decision with my business. I wasn't going to sell anything where I made such little profit on each individual transaction that I didn't have enough time to love the customer. So if there's only a dollar in it, really, you're right. I might as well just go and spend a dollar less on my next lunch and I've actually made the same difference to my life. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, and I I talk a lot about ASP, average selling price, and and mine is 50. That's, uh, you know, I sell things for less than 50, but that's my goal. And I'm sitting, I'm I'm doing good. I'm sitting at about 66 right now. That's excellent. And I'm happy with that because it's like, it takes just as much time to list a $5 Barney tape as it does a $500, you know, and uh, quite often you'll find the buyers that, that hand over a smaller amount of money are the ones that give you the most grief yes. and become the most demanding. <laughs> yes. It is so true. Sometimes yes. not worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's see who we got next here. We'll get rid of Barney. Barney's gone. JFK and Barney. What a show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got this uh, Boy Scout National Jamboree pocket knife. This is from Sharon uh, Plianis. These, uh, let's see, have had this item almost two years. The knife is numbered and a limited edition. Sold another of these knives during Christmas 2013 for this price. Now have added best offer. This has an older template and hasn't been revised or ended in almost two years. There are 10 watchers ideas. So normally I would say end it and and sell similar or relist, but with 10 watchers, I think I'd do something else here. Uh, those watchers are going to get notified if you and I'm and I'm thinking here is it if, if you change it over to auction format, they should get a notification. I'm not sure. I think they'll get a notification if it's relisted, relisted? But, if, but if you sell similar, if they won't. What if you do a markdown? Do they uh, yes. Will they get? Uh, I'm no. trying to remember the different parameters no. where they actually the, send a message the mark, out. The markdown won't. That will only go to your to people that have subscribed to you, not necessarily watching an item. Yeah. So it's a relist thing. It's it, it's a, I think it's a case of, of so can, it relisting. Yeah. So can you relist in auction format? 
Uh, no, because it, it will only relist how it was listed last time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. If you change it, then it becomes a cell similar. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a tricky one. And, and you can't go by market value two years ago. There probably was something going on. I, when is Boy Scout National Jamboree? Mm. And then this was a 213, 2013 knife. So it was probably somebody went the, to the 2013 National Jamboree. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, the market probably just isn't there. I don't know how much you have into this. Mm. I, I'd still probably go back to, to the auction idea. You Two years, get it out of there. Get what you can for it. Mm. Maybe try it on a like a forty nine ninety nine auction. See if you so get any get bites. Mm. Um, with ten watchers, I would think that there's still some interest, unless those watchers are way back from the beginning, and you know. But yeah, I would. Um, another another thing you could try doing is put this one on a thirty day fixed, so they will get notified when it's ending. They will. That's correct. So I would like. Maybe change the price. Get under the hundred dollar threshold. Um, One twenty nine and ninety nine are such a huge difference psychologically. I'd bump it down to ninety nine ninety nine with your make offer, and then um, relist it as a thirty day and see what happens as it winds down to that uh, that new cycle. But it might just be one of those things you just gotta. It's a it, take what you can get for it and let it go because the market's just not there. You got you got any more ideas on that one? No, I think I think that's about right. Um, we didn't look at the description, but yep, I imagine um, the description has been done fairly well. Yeah, they got okay. a lot of information, yeah, no, a lot of more pictures. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know the first one sold because it was 2013, and now now and again, Boy Scout National Jamboree. I don't know if that's a yearly event or a every so many years, but you might want to research when that's coming up again. And then make this part of one of your, you know, Facebook posts and tweet it out there and get the word out that you have this rare knife. It's worth a shot. All right. Let's see who's next. How about a? I I immediately went to hungry, hungry hippo. Okay. <laughs> so this is from Linda Pacheco. Linda, are you in the chat? I thought I saw you. We must have more than one Linda if Linda's there because my other Linda's there. All right. Uh, I think I've tried. I think I've had this hippo listed for about six months. I've gone through all of my listings, including this one, and sharpened up the title, photos, description, and made sure they all have free shipping and a return policy in place. I've double checked on the price and it looks to be right in the middle. He's so cute. Uh, not sure why I still have him. Well, maybe he just wants to stay with you. <laughs> Let's see. And Linda is in the chat. Let's see. What's he priced at? $29.99? Is he little? No. Six, five inches, six inches. No, he's yeah. not big. You know, and that may be part of the problem. I look at this picture, and I thought he was like this big wood carving. Were you thinking that too? It, it, well, it's hard to... I mean, the title does say five inches, so... Yeah. We, we can see that. Um, but is that five inches tall or five inches long? Mm. Uh, maybe the item description gives us that information. So, and I would also say this this title is still way too long. Um, and he, I, I would, I think the wood cart, wood, wood and carved are not together. So there's some, there's some words that should be together here. Mm. If somebody's searching for a wood carved hippo, they're going to type in wood carved hippo. Mm. Um, so I would get those words together. I'd probably call it a vintage wood carved hippo. You can call it figurine. That kind of sets the size too. If you say figurine versus sculpture or anything, I'm not sure he's monkey pod. You know, be careful about calling something a wood type or a material type if you are not 100% sure. Because um, monkey pod is not a high end wood normally, and I don't think this is. This looks more like a walnut or a teak to me, which would be worth more. Um, so yeah, I would just take the monkey pod out of there, calling it wood, and let the buyer decide what kind of wood it is, unless you know absolutely one hundred percent. See, see our description down here. I don't. You know, this might be my. Com- 
computer playing games with these descriptions. But um, but if this is how your description's coming up, this could be a problem too. It's um, it's kind of one of those you have to scroll over to to see all the words. And I don't know if that how that's happening. But you got your, I mean, you got enough information there, though. It should be good. So let's see. We got questions in the chat here. You're really going to make me squint and look at that chat. I should have brought my glasses over. Sing a little tune or something. I got to read this chat. Yeah, so it looks like you guys are trying to decide what kind of wood it is. Don't, you know what? And, And really, this, I get this all the time with glass, too. Is people want to have that exact specific, it's this, but is the buyer really looking for that specific? Are they really caring um, about whether it's a monkey pod or they just know they want a wood carved hippo? They just remember they saw this wood carved hippo. So be really careful about getting, you know, too worried about all those little specifics. Maybe mention it down in the description if you think that this is monkey pod. Uh, sometimes I like to even put a question down in this description like that. Say, we believe this, and I will say we, don't say I, say we, makes you sound like a company. Say, we believe this is monkey pod wood. Please send us a message if if you have another idea. You be People love to help. They love to help. And it may even be somebody who's interested in it. So you strike up a little relationship and engage with a potential customer. You know, they were looking at it. There's a reason they found your listing. Take advantage of that. Am I missing anything else on that one? No, I think you've got it covered. All right. He is cute, though. He should sell. And your price, you know, your price is fine. If he's a little guy, your price is fine. If he was bigger, I'd say your price was way too, too low. All right. Awesome stuff, you guys. And if you want to submit a, a why won't they buy item, you just need to be a member of the Danny App Facebook group. And we run a thread every single week and come on over there. And uh, even if your item doesn't get on the show, we still help you with those items over there. All right. How about some hot sales? Yeah, I was waiting for my chili pepper. Why are we shooting the chili pepper? I, it was an explosion. Okay, I got it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh, remember, I have like this voice in my ear. And, and, and other th- I wasn't yelling at you. He thinks I was yelling at him. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Let's look at some hot sales. Let's look at this little baby here. Macy's 2008 Thanksgiving Day. I love a parade. Musical Water Globe, New York City. Now, that seems like a really long title, but there is not a word in there that isn't relevant. So I'm okay with that. That's awesome. Let's see how long this this little guy took to sell. Gosh, I have to read again. Set Glasses coming. All right. Um, this is from Sharon again. She says, we just got back from ASD Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, it is. This is a musical water globe from the Macy's New York City Thanksgiving Parade. And this was a wholesale score. They bought a case of these. A case of these. Now, she didn't say how much they paid for them, but I know, Sharon, I know they were very frugal on their purchase. And um, I don't know if this is the first one that sold out of that case. I don't have the whole details. I'm going to have to find an update on that. So we got one sold, but I wanted to bring this one up, especially because of what you were saying about the multi-quantity. Now that this first one sold, don't change it. No. Don't touch it. <laughs> Let it rock and roll. And um, and it looks like it's been one watched in the last. So people are putting this on their watch list, too, because it's coming up. It's coming up and Macy's parade is coming up. Like I hate to break the news, you guys, but we're like, today's the trial. Oh my gosh. It's like what? Four months till Christmas. Something like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's only four months till Christmas, you guys. Um, so yeah, this is, this is going to be relevant very soon again. So nice job. And then we got, oh, I didn't pull up the original listing here. Let me just pull this one up. This is from, who is this from? 
Oh, Serena. Serena Lee. She has scores every week. I just love it. Um, this is a Mecca Sterling Silver Denmark Salt Dish and Spoon. Pink Guilloche Enamel Antique. Oh, going the wrong way here. All right. Let's see. Um, what did she end up getting for this? Do-do-do. Got two of these antique salt cellars from a consigner and listed them both at $64.99, one at a time, as there were slight differences in the condition. One sold for $50, and the second one just sold for $55. Ka-ching! And I'm not sure, Serena, why you listed them at different times. I would have been apt to have listed both of them. I have them running at the same time, cross-promote to one another. Could have gotten the same buyer on these. As long as your pictures are different, and um, I always say change up the description a little bit, change up the title a little bit so it's not a duplicate. But really, it's the pictures because if you've got two of these, they've got differences. The pictures are different. It's a different item. Um, you're going to be safe. I know a lot of people are afraid, right. a lot of fear out there of things getting taken down. Duplicate listings, yep. Duplicate yeah. listings. I know it happens sometimes. I'll say, I think we have time for... One more, but where did it go? Oh, there it is. I knew we had one more. Let's see. We've got, ooh, this is a good one. All right, this is a Hug Me Kid Kitty Googly Eye Antique Repro Limited Edition Barbara Carroll Rare. So it's a designer doll um, sold for one fifty eight forty nine. Let's see if she says how much she paid for that. Do-do-do. Oh, she found five of these dolls for $1.99 a piece at Goodwill. Wow. Yep. So she thought the clerk was going to have a stroke. She started yelling, these should have been on eBay. She calls another clerk over and tells her the same thing. Finally, I politely had to tell her they are mine now. But anyway, here's me. I sold and have one on eBay right now. So you have five of these. And I'm wondering, again, um, didn't say if they were identical, different. I hope the rest of them are listed. uh, Because something else, even though it's not a multi-quantity listing, you also get that little boost when you sell something in the same category. Your other dolls are going to get a little boost because you've got engaged sellers. I mean, engaged buyers, but one fifty-eight forty-nine. I'm telling you, people, I I don't get I don't get this doll thing. And, and you know what? It's not they're not for kids. That's the thing that gets me. These are being sold to adult women that want dolls. I yeah. Well, we would hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just like I'm gonna be fair here, so guys can love dolls too. Okay. I'm not gonna be sexist, but. Um, I just just because I know some of these the women who have these dolls like and they have tea parties and they're all over there and they have little play days with their friends with I yeah, am yeah. crazy world it's a crazy world um, but yeah nice and good I, I Goodwill has these little eBay you know pricers in the back you know all that stuff and then when they they do they get very upset i get that too i don't tell them it's for ebay i come up with a cart full of stuff and they're like oh christmas shopping mm, for somebody <laughs> that's not a lie it's not a lie yeah it's none of their business what they're what you're doing with it <laughs> so awesome 158 bucks would love to hear when you sell the rest of them. I think googly eye was a really good search term in there um, because even if they don't know who the artist is, what the name of the doll is, they remember it's a googly eye doll. I want that googly eye doll. So really great search term there. Yeehaw. Let's see. How are we doing? What time is it? Oh, my time flies. Well, you, you know, we don't have time to look at what's in my cart. I'm so sorry. We'll do that. We'll do that next week. I promise. I haven't bought much this time. Um, but what I do want to talk about is that eBay is rocking and rolling with the changes over here. And you guys know I talk about this pretty much every week that uh, things are getting better for us. I got my little news story here. So um, eBay has been without a a marketing uh, uh, head of the marketing department for a little while. So they just hired Susie Deering for chief marketing officer, North America. So um, 
again, I'll be a little sexist here. I'm glad to see some some woman input getting put into the marketing department because um, we're more touchy-feely with those customers. I'm just telling you, we, we get it. There's an exception. There's guys who get it too, but... Of course. Um, uh, Devin is really like, man, he, like second day, he was at it. They acquired a, a secondhand clothing startup. Um, lots of little things going on there. And um, I've heard him quoted saying, it is the year of the seller. Gotta love that. We've been waiting. We have been waiting for it to be the year of the seller. And um, I really think Devin's going to make some huge changes. How does that affect eBay Australia if he starts making these huge changes here? What, how, did, how does uh, that roll? Pretty much the same. So Australia is regarded as one of the top four eBay sites. So uh, the UK, Germany, US and Australia are the, the top four, which means that any changes made in the US pretty much get rolled out to Australia either at the same time or very, very shortly afterwards. So um, look, Australian sellers are no different to sellers here. Um, they're very much wanting uh, to be heard they're very much wanting the the pain points that they're experiencing to be taken notice of. And um, the message that I've heard from the time that I was working at eBay was that that change is coming. Um, now I sit obviously on the outside of eBay, but I'm still hearing the same message. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got my fingers and my toes crossed. I know, right? <laughs> yes. We've been waiting. You guys get a heads up, though. That's not fair. Well, I, well, when when you work for eBay, you do. Um, well, I mean, even being in Australia, like we roll something out, you guys right. like... Okay, here it comes. Yes. Yeah. We, we sometimes get it after they've ironed out some of the bugs, but then sometimes we don't. Well, yeah. <laughs> sometimes those bugs never get ironed out. No. <laughs> Just saying. Um, real quick, you guys, I had a one viewer email come in, which I didn't print out and bring with me, but I remember what it was and who it was from. Um, Lisa K. Hensley, who is, uh, yep, she's in the chat. And um, was saying there's another eBay guru person dispelling something out there that is that is not the case. Um, that if you create your own item specifics and somebody shops on mobile, they don't see those. Mm-mm, not true. Not true. Not true. You absolutely want to use those item specifics. I plug in as many different things into those that are relevant to the item. Because usually on mobile, they never even get to your description. That is how they are determining whether they're, they're going to make the buy or not. That's where they're getting their details beyond the the title. Uh, so be really careful. Double check information that you hear out there. Um, make one yourself. Make an make a listing. Put your own item specifics. Then go have somebody else pull it up on their phone. And tell you if they can see it or not. That I mean, that's a very clear-cut way to see if if that uh, is the case or not. So, be really careful with the things that you hear on Facebook. Check them out yourself. You are the owner of your business. Anything you do needs to come from a place where it's the best thing for your business. And um, thank you, Tim, for coming down. And we'll have to have you on again, if only by Skype. If you don't want to make the journey over to. I'll use any excuse. <laughs> but you can always come to Vegas and uh, come be in the studio again. Absolutely. That's but, been my pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And you guys, you can go hear the replays of the show on lots of different places, including iTunes, where we do love reviews, uh, YouTube, both on the Danny App channel and the Vegas Video Network channel, uh, Roku, Stitcher, Tune in, Chromecast, Apple TV, Google TV, Fire TV, of course, the Vegas Video Network.com. That's Scott's favorite. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, Overcast.fm, RSS feeds, podcasting software, Google, Bing, everywhere. Why? Because the Vegas Video Network rocks. And I have the best director in the business. That won't get me anywhere being nice to him, but I have to throw it in there for him. (laughs) You didn't hear what he said. Anyway, thank you so much, guys. We will be back next week. Send me some emails. Let me know what you want to hear about, who you want me to drag into the studio or bring on Skype, and we'll make it happen. But for now, go be profitable and make it fun.